Absolute Radio Country is filled with the best sounds from Nashville 24 hours a day. But even we can't fit in everything. You'll find a full story right here. This is Country Music Talk, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of country music. We love bringing you the biggest names from the world of country music here on the podcast, so thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already, and that way you'll never miss an episode. And if you're in the UK, you can listen to Absolute Radio Country live and enjoy the no-repeat guarantee. It's our promise to never play the same song twice during your workday between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Right, on with the podcast. This is the Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. Well, this is nice because sometimes I get homesick, and so uh, not, instead of just playing country music, sometimes I have to have people from near my hometown into the studio just to keep me on the straight and narrow. Uh, it's Ashley Radio Country. I'm Balin Leonard, and today joined by a band uh, fast becoming one of the most in-demand live country bands out there. Critically acclaimed debut album, Fortune Favors the Bold, was a top 10 hit on the country chart. It's been streamed over 80 million times, and they're currently opening up for one of the biggest artists in not just country music, in music in general, Luke Combs, Chase and Isaac, 49 Winchester. Hello. What's Hello. up? Thanks, Thanks for having man. us in the studio. It's so nice to have you guys here. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. I was saying there about, you know, getting homesick. And listen, I, I, people might be tired of me telling this story, but I will never be tired of telling it. Is the first time I saw you guys, I was home for Thanksgiving. And you guys were doing a, a show in Cumberland Park in Bristol, Tennessee. And uh, my friend, Leah Ross, who, who runs a big festival back home, said, you've got to come see these guys. And I was jet lagged and it was cold. And I went and you guys just blew me away. And I came back to the UK and I was like, we got to play these guys. Uh -huh. I, and we have been playing you nonstop ever since. And now everybody knows your name. It seems like it went from zero to 60 in, in no time flat. Does it feel that way for you guys? A part of it definitely does. I think that that sort of uh, steep uptick feels like it's been sudden, but it was something that was so long in the making that it's sort of an overnight success, a decade in the making kind of thing. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So, uh, you know, we, we were grinding away at it uh, for a long time, uh, playing the regional scene and the local, the local scene around home. And uh, but the, definitely that the, the rise that we've kind of experienced in the last year has been uh, something unprecedented for us. You know? If I'm honest, when I saw you guys in, in Bristol, I just assumed you were a big regional band that everybody knew, because everybody knew you back there. Um, and I just thought, oh, they're this big regional band. Why are they not bigger than this? And then, you know, suddenly you are bigger than this. But you guys, like you said, have been doing this for a while. You met like growing up right yeah. is that how you yeah. met yeah next door neighbors uh <laughs> right, okay. right across the street from one another uh and two of the other guys in the band uh bus and noah they're from the same same little town in virginia uh not next door neighbors but neighbors certainly you know within walking distance of each other uh so you know we, we've known each other for a long time it wasn't one of those situations where um we went out and found and pieced together a band. It was more like the guys that already knew each other and had played some music. Uh, you know, I always tell people the reason the band's lineup is what it is is because we were the only people of our age that played music in our town. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so you didn't have a lot to pick from. Not, no, not a great, There weren't not auditions or anything no, like that. No, no, there were not. Uh, so it's kind of an unconventional approach. We know that it's something that's kind of rare. Uh, it almost feels more like a family band mm. than a than a than a you know a business enterprise, uh, which I think is a cool a cool part of it. And people can see that from the outside in, and I think that's part of why people latch onto us. Is you know it's a it's an odd story. Lifelong friends still here together, you know, approaching our thirties and s still kicking it. 
And were you doing it to, I mean, obviously you were interested in music, but did you guys form the band with the thought of like, we want to be a band? Or was it, you know, because I grew up in a small town and sometimes you just do things because you're bored or you do things because you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do. Was it always from the beginning, like music, we want to be an actual band? I think so. I mean, I think it maybe wasn't that much of a conscious decision at, at the very initial onset. Um, I think it was more like we were just getting together and jamming and then we realized that it felt great and that it sounded great and that it was something that was worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. And I think really after that, shortly after that, we really locked into the idea that like, okay, this feels too good to stop. So let's continue and, and push it as far as we can possibly push it. So we had uh, Luke Combs on the show, and, and, and it was right after he had worn your T-shirt. And it was before you guys had been announced as opening up for him over here. Mm-hmm. And he had worn your T-shirt, and you know it had just created this enormous buzz uh, around you guys for people who didn't know you. And of course, you know Luke being Luke, he was like, well, I don't really think about what I wear. And I thought, but you have to know what you're doing when you do something <laughs> like that. Like, you know, and he was like, I am aware that it would have an impact. But sure. did you guys feel that particular impact at that moment because certainly your socials must have went crazy and people must have started going who is this band yeah yeah they did for sure i've told this story before but um we i remember the day that the mer- that order came through <laughs> there was a, a you know the black horse and rider t uh in a 2xl for a luke combs and i was like wait a minute <laughs> Surely this is not the what, same. What he just guy. ordered it? Is like there from... more than one? That, yeah, he just bought it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like from your website? Yes. <laughs> and are you at home boxing this stuff up? At that <laughs> time, maybe still. Chase was <laughs> dealing with some of the merch. I don't know. Yeah. I hope you threw in an extra out. sticker or something. Yeah, I think we definitely sent <laughs> a bunch of extra stuff because we were all excited. And they, but you obviously didn't know like what, what he was going to do with it, when he was going to wear it, if no, he was going to be seen really. wearing it. We had never met. Luke or anything, and you didn't know he was a fan until that point. Um, no, we weren't really even aware aware that he was knew we existed until right. the merch order came through, <laughs> and then it turns out he has two. He had two forty nine shirts, one of which is a really limited. We made like two hundred of them, maybe, oh, wow. and it's like this skull thing. this mo- motorcycle helmet clad skull with <laughs> with the uh, Roman numeral for three because it was when we released three like one of our uh, really yeah. early records yeah he got a hold of one of those somehow so I was like so man he's this been guy's a long been time digging fan. in yeah I guess so uh, well that'll be you know well, that'll be worth something one day if Luke Combs ever falls on hard times <laughs> he can <laughs> pop that on ebay I don't it <laughs> and it'll be fine um and then uh so he ordered the merch and then at some point the call came hey will you open up for him on 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 the european and uk yeah. by that point had you met him talked to him no we had corresponded just really briefly some online um but hadn't met hadn't hadn't really you know had time to shake hands and howdy yeah. we met uh, him in oslo we met him in oslo for the first time oh, on right first, on this tour yep, yeah first date of this ago. tour I'll never forget, I was at my house. <laughs> I'm going to cry talking about it. I was at my house, and Jacob, our agent, called me, and he was like, buddy. And I was like, anytime he goes, buddy, it's always either really good or really bad. Right. <laughs> and it was really good that day. And he was. He told us, you know, the news about the tour that was lined up and, you know, 13 countries, <clears throat> a bunch of hillbilly kids from central Appalachia coming over here and playing 13 countries in europe to stadiums like it was it was the honor of a lifetime and we're you know still in the swing of it uh and then our own little headline thing at the lafayette but man this this whole tour has just been an honor to be on luke's the best dude i've ever met Mm -hmm. on the road he's super humble super common 
all of his bandmates are the same way. All of the people in his camp are the same way. They're just really genuine folks that that want to be out here and, and enjoy the rigors of touring. You know what I mean? It's not for everybody, and I know that there's kind of a a lot of people think of it as uh, a lot of people know musicians to be cranky. You know mm, what I mean? And, yeah. and unpersonable. And nobody in that camp is that way. So that was a huge relief. You know, when we got over here and we're like, dude, these guys are just like us. They're just good people. Like he's surrounded himself with good people and people that he's known for a long time as well. It seems as well. Yeah. Uh, and and he, he just always seems like such a nice guy. Yep. And, you know, and has all the time in the world. I want to talk a little bit about what you were saying about you know being kids from Appalachia and suddenly finding yourself. Overseas, not just overseas, but in 13 countries. And, you know, leaving aside the kind of playing stadiums bit of it for a moment, I absolutely relate to this because, you know, I grew up in a trailer park in, in Bristol, Tennessee, down a gravel road. And for me, getting out meant maybe I'd go to New York City, you yeah. know, let alone going to other parts of the world. Um, and for you guys to be able to do it this way, what, what an exciting thing to do. But did you always have, did you have wanderlust? Like when you were growing up? Because, you know, there are plenty of people, like my brother and sister, they are happy as Larry to just stay put right there in the the hills and valleys that we grew up in and they don't really have any sort of interest in seeing the outside world and that's cool that must be a a lovely thing to not have that kind of pull Um, but I always had it did you guys have it yeah yeah always had it yeah I think so Uh, it was something that we really fell in love with as soon as we started the band and started touring outside the region As kids, you know, not as much, but as we grew mm. into sort of, you know, young adults and, and were became more interested in music, I think that it was like the idea of traveling and playing music for a living is something that's always, you know, yeah. that's always been there. So, yeah, I think so. I think that even as content as I am to still be living in my hometown, you know, I, I live three miles from where I grew up. Uh, so even being really content there and, and being happy to go back every time that I go back, it's still... You know, you're back for a couple of weeks and you're like, all right, let's go see the rest of the world again. I mean, I I don't, obviously I don't, I live here. I don't, I don't live there, but I get to go back and, and, you know, be in Bristol or see my family and my friends often enough that it, that it feels like, you know, it keeps my feet on the ground. So I can imagine for you guys, which are on this whole other level to be able to go back and just close your door and know that your home must feel good. Yeah, it certainly does. Before Luke Combs, though, I mean, you guys already had such a fan base here. C2C earlier this year, you know, I saw, uh, you, it seems like you guys did about 25 shows during C2C. <laughs> yeah, it did, it Every did time I looked, too. I was like, oh, it's 49 Winchester again, but, which is a great thing because it gave so many people opportunities to see you live because I knew already from the reaction that we got from playing your stuff that people were digging in and absolutely loving it. Going to those shows at C2C, it didn't feel like an introduction. You know, it felt like these were fans. People were there. Those yeah. shows were busy. Yeah, I mean, we saw, you know, that was our first ever play uh, anywhere in Europe, anywhere outside of the States, for that matter. Um, and we saw, our, you know, people wearing our merch yeah. in the crowd and people that knew the lyrics and stuff like that. So That was Luke Combs, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was him in the back there. Uh, you know, the first set at C2C, we played at the Barrel House stage, and I didn't know what it was or where it was, and I was like... It would be really cool if there were a hundred people here mm. for our first Europe sh- show, and there were eighteen hundred people there, and a queue at the door that was being turned away. Yeah. So that's when we kind of first had some inkling of that it was connecting over that here. That it was yeah, yeah, the dots were being connected over here in Europe in the same way that they had in the states, and kind of at the same time. I think it really coincided, like the rise that we took on in the states, kind of. On a smaller scale, albeit over here in Europe, I think it just sort of happened at the same time. And by the time we got to Europe, we were like, whoa, this thing, this the seed's already been planted here. 
Uh, so yeah, man, it was it was really cool to to get in there for that first set. The first time I saw the crowd was when I walked onto the stage <laughs> to play the show, and I was like taken aback. You know what I mean? And then I saw your final show of CTC as well in the the Indigo, I think it yeah, was, yeah, and that yeah. was just that was valuable. a lot of fun too. Amazing! <laughs> it was amazing. Isn't it great how um, universal? things are obviously it's a different time now and you know the internet and all that but you know like growing up i think sometimes we're led to believe that people don't understand people or that emotions or situations or the way that someone is raised means that they're so different than somebody else but then music is one of the great kind of uniters we know that but also the stuff that you guys are singing about some of it's super universal, and, and some of it's very personal or very specific, you sure. know, whether it's about Russell County or whatever. Sure. And yet, here you are, you know, thousands of miles away from home, and people connect to it, and people get it, and people relate. And I just think that's a wonderful thing. It must feel great for you. Yeah, it, it definitely does. You know, um, I've heard a lot of people say, uh, I have no idea where Russell County, Virginia is, and I've never never been there, never seen it on a map, but that song makes me miss my home, mm. you know, wherever that might be, whether it's Sweden or Canada or Mexico or anywhere, yeah. you know? So uh, I think that there's a lot of things that you can do as a songwriter to make things more applicable um, to people in gen- even if it's something that's really specific to you an- initially i think if the song is written well uh it's going to be something that people can latch on to that mm. are you know from all walks of life yeah no i think so too and actually you see that you see that every night yep. uh, and certainly the, the, on this tour you must be seeing that too country music as well um i think people have a tendency to think it has to be one thing or the other and what i love about what's happening not just with you guys but with people like zach bryan you know that there's this more kind of rootsier authentic sound that people are really latching on to but that sure. also the industry if we will in quotes has been like aha you know there doesn't have to be and, and by the way I, I i'm down with like pop country if it's good it's good right sure. but it's also nice to see the um this other side of country music a being popular but b the industry recognizing that it is a viable route commercially as yeah. well yeah for sure i mean it was something that was a sort of a niche yeah market for a long time uh and it had all kinds of different labels whether it was americana or yeah uh, alternative country or this or that and i think that people have just kind of gotten back to the roots of saying man country music is country songs sang by country people and that's the way it is and um and those country people can be from anywhere too sure yeah. sure it's it's more of a it's more of a country must be countrywide as norman would say yeah it's it's you know i think it's a, it's are, a are vibe isn't it? it is like it's yeah, more it's of a, a state vibe. Of like you know the, it. it's a state of mind more than it's more a than state it is, of mind uh, yeah. a state of a, a set of circumstances yeah. yeah so you know to see to see that that trend uh changing and being a part of that we owe a lot of it to guys that have sort of carried the torch in front of us like tyler childers yeah and, uh some folks like that uh that really helped turn the world on to Stuff that harkens back to traditional country music, but it's definitely distinctly blended with other things. You know what I mean? We never set out to be a country band. Uh, we never set out to really fit in any particular box at all. It just happened to be that the musical influences that we had on our life and the, our lives and the place that we came from, that's the way it came out. So, and I think Tyler's the same way. Um, you know, it's it's uh, well, a lot of what he's doing now is really traditional country. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the early Tyler stuff, it was kind of rode that line between that sort of psychedelic, spacey, 
hippie country of the 60s mm-hmm. uh, and and traditional country and some rock and roll, you know, kind of spirit about it. And Sturgill Simpson before Sturgill him. Sturgill the very same well. way, yeah. And Stapleton, you know, being another Kentucky boy that, that made a, a, you know, made a living writing in Nashville for a long time. But then when he set out and did his own thing, he kind of went against the grain a little bit mm-hmm. and achieved, you know, great success with it. So... It's good to see people that aren't necessarily fitting in with that formulaic idea of what people thought that country music had to be. It's great, and it's great, you know, it's great to see that expanding and see that the genre itself is growing, not just in terms of its how big the fan base is, but in terms of what country really is. What country yeah, music I agree. really is. I agree. I agree because you know I grew up listening to all kinds. Everybody grew up listening to all kinds of stuff, no matter where you're from, sure. right? Yeah. And even I think more so today with the way that you can listen to music and. You know, I know everybody says algorithms are really bad, but sometimes they can be really good because they might suggest something to you that you never would have found on your own. Um, A million artists that I can think of off the top of my head, I've discovered in some shuffle playlist that, you know what I mean, or on the radio, you know, like just, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Um, What were you guys listening to growing up? I went through a lot of different phases Mm -hmm. where I was kind of very specifically honed in on one thing at one time. Um. We've all been through a metalhead phase where <laughs> yeah. we were listening to, you know, Slayer and 80s thrash metal, and then it kind of evolved into uh, Slipknot and Lamb of God and some yeah, bands like that. Um, the natural progression. The natural <laughs> progression for country artists. When we first started the band, I thought really that the direction it was going to go was going to be a lot more of a kind of a folky string band sound. Okay. Uh, I loved pre-war, pre-World War II blues and ragtime. That's, that's like what I cut my teeth wow, on okay. guitar-wise. Um, which I know is a strange thing to hear, but I love ragtime though. You know, I mean, I, I it's, grew up it's not often cited as so, so. no, it is not. <laughs> I know that. So. But yeah, guitar players like Blind Blake and and Lemon Jefferson and guys like that. Um, but yeah, when, it was, when we started the band, us two and Bus, we were all acoustic, just the three guys, and you know we were two guitars of, and a banjo, so it was right. more more string bandy. Right, you know right. what I mean? Uh, but you know, after that, I grew up just sort of by default being surrounded by a lot of classic rock. Right. Um, n- not just because my parents were of that age, but it's like in Appalachia, every radio station is either a country station or a classic rock station. Yes. So it's just kind of what you're, you know, what what's around. <laughs> and still, it still is. Every but, time yeah, I get in a, a rental car, sure. I'm like, oh, country, classic rock, country, yep, classic rock. In alternating <laughs> succession <laughs> yeah. over and over forever. Uh I love blues. I love soul. I love R and B. You know, I love Al Green. I love Aretha Franklin. Mm. I love I love great singers with great songs and something to say. And uh, no matter what that genre might be, if if it fits that criteria, it's it's something I like. Just before I let you guys go, you've re-recorded a couple of fan favorites: uh, Chemistry and Everlasting Lover. What made you re-record these? Just a kind of a fresh take on it. We have the you know updated band lineup with right. Tim and Justin. Yeah, these are the first two recordings with this lineup. And actually, the okay. first time that that lineup ever existed was the night that you saw us in Bristol. It was Tim and Justin's first oh, really? show. Yes, yeah, they yes. were filling in at the time. And that was the last time they ever filled in because they were permanently on the roster at that point. Yeah. Um, there had been a, a little bit of turmoil and a lineup change, and we needed those guys to, to step in and, and, and do the thing. That was also the coldest show that I've ever played it in my entire so life. It was so cold. It was yeah. frigid. Yeah, it you can see your breath. It made playing guitar almost impossible. 
So I'm glad you said it was a great show. It was a great show, but I it was like absolutely I was freezing. Fro- about to get like you know frostbite status on my fingers. See, but- I always wonder that because I was freezing in the audience, and uh, Leah was like, "Come over here." There was some sort of heater by the sound yeah. desk or something. Yeah. But I always think when you're on stage, you're, you're like under oh, the yeah, lights, you're giving it, it you're yeah, not feeling it. it. So yeah. it's nice to know actually you're feeling it yeah, too. Some yeah. of those nights, uh, yeah. You can't uh, you can't rock hard enough to get warm. You know what I mean. <laughs> you try as you might. But yeah, the chemistry and everlasting love thing. I think that those songs just have been two that really uh, they've really developed a lot with this new lineup, and they've really kind of come into their own and taken on sort of a new life. Uh, so we wanted to get get something out there that the fans could could hear that sounds more like what we do live now yeah. than what we recorded. You know those years ago when we really were pretty green you know we were mm. just kids in the scene then and i think that a lot's changed since then so we wanted to we wanted to capture that well we love them we love them so thanks for coming in Absolutely. i could talk to you guys for ages because i just you know i feel like we should just go down the road sit on my mom's porch and yep. keep talking um have a glass of tea <laughs> yeah some sweet tea, I'm a, cup of tea um, a glass of sweet tea do you get do you get a chance to have any I, I i know you've been quite busy on this tour but do you get a chance to have some delicacies in the uk or get out and yeah you know do always all that? in pursuit of delicacies local food yeah, <laughs> okay delicacies of all sorts so what have you tried since you've been in the uk have you had um, a chance yet we're, go- we're getting ready to do um we got suggested a great indian restaurant <laughs> dishoom of yeah, course that, naturally that's it's great natural it's Apparently, great, but when it musicians is... get to London, that's the first question that they have: is where is Dushum and how do I get there? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, people are really into Dushum, but yeah. it's great. It's great. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the it's right around the corner. We always try to do some traditional, some traditional grub too. Uh, the first time, the first time we were here. Uh, we stayed over in Putney, and we went over across the bridge to this place called the Eight Bells Pub, and got fish and chips. Of course, you have to. You know, they've been selling mushy peas. Pies. They've been selling, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they've been selling fish pies. and chips and beer. Yeah. For longer than our country, our country exists, has existed, <laughs> yeah. which is astonishing to me. Um, there are floorboards in there that are older than America. <laughs> you know? yeah. So uh, yeah, but all over, man. Scandinavia was great. The food up there was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Germany, oh, we had a great meal. Oh yeah, yeah. brought first. Yeah. Excellent. Um, <laughs> uh, Isaac it's and Chase, 49 Winchester. Thank you guys so much yeah, man, for coming for in. It's us. so great to see you over here, and uh, I'll see you real soon. Sure thing. The Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. An in-depth look behind the scenes at the world of country music. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll have another dropping soon for y'all, so don't forget to keep it country. If you enjoy the Country Music Talk podcast, chances are you'll also enjoy Absolute Radio Country. It's the place where real music matters, and we love country music just as much as you do. You'll find us online on the free Absolute Radio app on digital radio throughout the UK, or just ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country. 